Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. But uh, thank you for joining us online. It's good to be seen by you wherever you are and whenever you are watching. Um, so we are in part two, starting a new year with a new series. We're in part two of a series called, Who Do You Want to Be? And by the way, the, the Lego movie, Monica made that at her house. So that's why she has a job, because she's amazing. But so yeah, so part two of a series of, Who Do You Want to Be? And we're asking that question, Who Do You Want to Be? And I think that can be... As I, you know, as I put myself in, in the position of asking that question, that could be an uncomfortable question. Who do you want to be? In fact, it can almost make you defensive, like, you mean I'm not who I want to be now? Like, what, what do you think's wrong with me? Right? It can be uncomfortable. And the, the truth is, we want to get life right. We want to we do this whole thing the right way. And we don't always know how. We often feel like there's, there's something missing. Right? We, we want to be one thing, but we know there's a gap. There's a gap between who we want to be and who we are. And so we're talking about how we can close that gap to become who we actually want to be. And there, we, we feel this gap in a lot of ways, but the, the main, or one of the main ways we feel this gap between who we want to be and who we actually are is in the area of relationships. That's right. Guys, you're safe. Don't worry. But we're going to talk about relationships tonight. And because here's, here's what we know. We all know this. Happy relationships create a happy life. Happy relationships create a happy life. And if we're honest, we, we all want to be happy. We're all on a happiness quest, and that's okay. God wants us to be happy. And happy relationships create a happy life. Like, think about it. Think of your happiest memories. The best memories you have where you were the happiest, you were all alone on an island, right? No, there's other people in those memories with you. There's other people there to share, even if you're an introvert. It's true, you're happier when you have good, healthy relationships. There's this show that I've been wanting to talk about and I can finally work it into a message that uh, my, my wife and I binged watched and finished already. Uh, it's called Alone. And the premise of this, this show, which you can watch on Hulu or I think History Channel, um, is you take 10 people and you drop them off on uh, Vancouver Island or Mongolia in the middle of nowhere, and they're, they're like miles and miles apart from each other, and they have to film their own survival, basically. And it's called Alone because they're alone, right? You guys are quick. You, you're going to do good tonight. So, uh, and if, they, if they're the last person, they, they have this like, satellite phone, they can push the button and they call it tap out at any time. The rescue team comes and gets them and they can go home. But the person who lasts the longest wins half a million dollars. 
And you're like, well, I could do that, right? And they, these are the survival experts, so they know how to fish and set up all these nets and all these types of different things, and they're eating, eating slugs and trying to eat bark. And basically, it's a contest of who's not going to starve first. And uh, the interesting thing is, most of the people who leave early, it's not because they're hungry, it's not because they're cold, it's because they're lonely, like, they, it gets them, the people who thought, ah, no, I'll be, I'll be fine, you know, I'll be the last one. They start, like, you can watch them kind of just start thinking about family, and the whole thing changes. Their whole demeanor changes, and they start complaining, and they start hating. And they say, oh, this is beautiful, but what's, what's the point? There's nobody to share it with. See, because we're happier when there's people to share life with. We need relationships in order to be happy. But the problem is... Being around people is hard. People just, when you get people together, there's issues because it's so easy to mess things up. It's so easy to say the wrong thing. Or in my case, make the wrong joke. It's so easy to do the wrong thing, maybe even not on purpose. It's so easy to hurt feelings or, or have misunderstandings. And nobody ever says, you know, you know, this year, it's 2020, this is the year I want to be known for being someone who has conflict in all my relationships. That is my goal. I can't wait to cause conflict. In all my... Nobody says that. Nobody says, you know, who do I want to be? Well, I want to be someone who hurts the people closest to me <laughs> regularly, doing the same thing over and over and over. That's my goal. But too often, that's who we, we've, that's who we have become. And we can say we want to be different. We can say we want more harmony, more enjoyment, more purpose in our relationships. We can say we want to be known for being a good friend, being a good spouse, maybe being a good sibling. But is that what we are actually known for? Is that what we're really known for by the people closest to us? If we ask them, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Would they say, you are the best spouse, the best friend. I can always rely on you. There's never any conflict between us. Is that what we're known for? How do we know? What's your proof of who you really are? Who do you want to be? Who are you? Well, the proof of who you are, who we are, is how we treat people. The proof of who we really, really are. We can, we can want to be anything, but the proof is how we treat people. It's all about relationships. And it's all, and the idea of getting healthy relationships, it's, what we're going to talk about tonight is very simple, but it's not very easy at all. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at a, a passage in an ancient letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Jesus followers in the city of Philippi. About 2,000 years ago, uh, the Apostle Paul was a, a guy who we first meet him in history. He hated Christians. In fact, it was, basically, he took it upon himself to go destroy Christianity. He didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was, didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead, and he was uh, very into the religion. He said, God, don't worry, I got this, I'm going to destroy Christianity. And then Jesus pretty much like, knocks him off a horse, uh, appears to him and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And from that moment on, Paul became a Jesus follower. And not, not just like an easygoing Jesus follower, but the same like, strength he used to try to destroy Christianity, he now used to build Christianity. He started churches all over, uh, groups of Jesus followers, all over the Mediterranean. And so Paul is writing to a group of Jesus followers in Philippi. 
And what he's going to show us is pretty, I think it's, it's good for relationships, whether you're a Jesus follower, whether you're not. Uh, again, we designed Cross Creek for, as a church, people don't normally go to church. So if you don't describe yourself as a Jesus follower, you are in the right place. And so I think this is, this is wise words, whether you call yourself a Christian or, or not. And so what we're going to see is why there is a gap between who we want to be and who we actually are in our relationship. And so let's, let's look at the cause that Paul says is the cause of the gap is this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. The cause of the gap in our relationships between who we want to be in our relationships and who we actually are is selfish ambition or vain conceit. Isn't that a word we use very often, right? Oh man, look at them. They're full of vain conceit. Right? No, that's a pretty bible churchy word. Basically what it means is empty pride. Right? Somebody who thinks there's something for no reason. They just think they're great for no reason whatsoever. Kind of, right? Think about it. It kind of makes you think of that person that you're having a hard time getting along with right now. Right? Selfish ambition. They're selfish. Vain conceit. Think they're something when they're, you know, who do they really think they are? Stubborn. Arrogant, refusing to listen because they always think they're right. Only concerned about themselves and what they want. You know, what I, you know who I'm talking about, right? Like you had that conflict with them. And, and let's, let's, you know, welcome to Cross Creek. We're going to dig up some feelings. Let's think back. And you're safe. Nobody knows what's going on inside your head, right? A lot of people think that somebody preaching and talking knows what you're feeling. I don't. You're safe, okay? But let's look back on your last argument, your last conflict with this person. They were a jerk, weren't they? They sucked. They were like totally thinking about themselves, not thinking about you. We're almost oblivious to your needs, to your feelings, weren't they? It's okay. Oh, you're sitting next to them. Okay. Don't <laughs> nod. Wink twice. Got it. But think about it. You wanted to win too, right? Like, they wanted to win the argument, and you wanted to win the argument. But you were kind of justified, because you knew better. Right? They were wrong. You knew better. They needed to know the truth. They needed to know they were wrong, and so you pushed back. You had every right to push back, because you had the truth on your side. And you didn't want them to think they won, and so you, you kept going. You kept pushing. You didn't want to lose, especially to that egomaniac. You don't want them to think they won and, and they can now walk all over you, right? But let me ask you a question. What were you, I know we talked about them, but just a minute. What were you for in that argument? What were you for in that argument? Were you for your point of view? Or were you for their point of view? Were you for what you thought was important in that moment? Or were you for what they thought was important in that moment? Were you for them? Or were you for you? Also, why do we get emotional in those times? Like, why do we get so worked up when we're in a, especially with the people we love the most, we get so, like, emotional and angry and worked up when we all know it would be so much easier to calmly talk about the facts, right? Well, I've done the dishes five nights in a row, 
And I feel like, no, just hear me out. I feel like it could be your turn. How do you feel? Like, wouldn't that be easier? So, like, throwing a plate at somebody. I've never thrown a plate at anybody, and I've never had a plate thrown at me, but you know. Like, wouldn't that be easier? But we get so emotional. We get, we get so heated. Why? Because our pride is at stake. It's personal. We think we deserve something. For, like, for me, I have, I have three kids. One's seven, one's five, and one's three. Almost four. Sometimes they get me angry. If you have kids, you've probably never been there, and I'm just kind of bearing my sins to you. But when they get disrespectful, oh my gosh, I get angry. Like, I think, and maybe I, and I don't think I've said it. Have I said it? You don't know. I don't, you don't know what I'm going to say. But so who do you think you are talking to me that way? I'm your father. You're welcome for that roof over your head. You're welcome for that food you're complaining about. No seven-year-old is going to talk to me that way. And then I started thinking, what if they talk to other people this way? Right? What if, what if they talk to their teachers this way or their friends' parents this way? What will their friends' parents think of my parenting? And so instead of listening and calmly figuring out what's going on, I get mad. Why? Why do I get mad at the things I love the most? And I just get so angry and frustrated. Pride. Empty pride. We have conflict because we have empty pride. We have conflict because we're lovingly devoted to ourselves. Sure, we're loving and we're devoted to ourselves. That's who always wins out. We have conflict because our devotion is to our pride, to ourselves, to us. And so what's the cure? See, Paul always gives us, you know, the the cause, but then he gives us a cure, and you guys are going to love this. It is so easy, so simple. Ready? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, instead, in humility, value others above yourself. Humility. Isn't that the word you came up with? That's, That's your word of the year for 2020, isn't it? Humility. I Man, I wish I could be more, more humiliated, more humble. Modest. Humility. Modest. A realistic opinion of yourself. Realistic estimation of yourself. Not proud or arrogant. Not being devoted to yourself because you know you're not better than anyone else. Your allegiance isn't to yourself and what you want. In fact, humility really is kind of like divorcing yourself. You're no longer the center of your universe. The main relationship you care about is not your relationship with me, myself, and I. In fact, humility creates relationships you can be proud of. Humility creates relationships you can brag about. Humility creates relationships that you actually enjoy and want. And so how do we become humble? What does that even look like? Because, you know, we, probably we know some humble people, not, not talking about weak and letting people walk all over you, but humble who, you know, just know who they are, are confident in themselves, or are, you know, are, are okay in their own skin and are for other people. But it doesn't just happen. It's not like just magic poof that happens to you and now you're a humble person. 
It's something we have to choose. And so here's, here's what Paul says. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now this, you're like, oh my gosh, this is groundbreaking. It's not. We know this, right? I said this is simple stuff. This is not like, I'm not blowing your minds right now. You're not going to cheer when I'm, well, you might cheer when I'm done, but that's only because I'm done. <laughs> but what's, what's Paul talking about? What's the cure? What, how, do we, how do we become humble? Looking out, looking to the interests of others. You're no longer looking out for yourself. Like I said, you've divorced yourself. You're not your concern anymore. You're not lovingly devoted to yourself anymore. You're lovingly devoted to the other person. It says looking to the interests of others, like scouting out, scoping out, like looking for every opportunity you can, you have, to do good for the other person, being actively on the lookout for what is best for someone else. That's how we become humble. That's how we have the humility that creates relationships we can be proud of. Basically, it means being for them. That's why we love this for Salem thing, because it's, it, it's actually a personal thing. You're for someone else, for. You're in favor of them. You're on, the si- you're on their side. You do things in the interest of them. You are for them. And you know what? That's what real love is, being for someone. That's love. It's powerful. It's strong. It's not the ooey-gooey love. It's, it's actually going out of your way to do good for someone else. It's active. It's selfless. In fact, love is actively seeking what is good for someone else. Want to know what love is? Oh, I love him so much. Or do you actively seek what is good for him? Or do those feelings just kind of make you feel good sometimes? Actively seeking what is good, going out of your way, scoping out what is good for them. So what are some, some practical ways we can be this? I don't think, you know, this is, this is nice out up there. We can, we can talk about being good for people, doing good for people and that type of thing. But if, you know, you, you get in your car and you kind of can't use it, what's the point, right? So how do we actually do this? How do we become this person? Some practical ways? Choose to make deference your preference. You like that? I made it up. Choose to make deference your preference. You might not have thesaurus.com like I did. Deference. To defer, to yield, to acquiesce. That's why on my, when I'm writing these messages, I always have thesaurus.com up. Choose to make deference your preference. Give them the same benefit of a doubt you always give yourself. Because you always know you had good intentions, right? If you misspeak or, you know, you kind of come off as selfish, you're like, well, I didn't mean it that way. I was just having a bad day. I was just tired. What I really meant is we always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Why not give them the same benefit of the doubt you always give yourself? Defer to them. Give them deference, consideration, thoughtfulness to their point of view. There's a chance. It's slim. There's a chance that maybe you're not seeing all the facts. It's possible. You ask yourself, what do they need? 
What are they actually fighting for? What, why, what is it that I am doing that is hitting their pride? How can I defer to them? Like for my kids, when they're going crazy, right? It's either because they spent the night with grandma. It's not her fault. Uh, or, you know, they, they are wanting my attention, and so they're kind of acting out. Or, you know, something happened that day and they're kind of not able to process those emotions and so they're taking it out on the family. Or they're just jer- kids. Or they're just kids, right? And they have, these, they have these feelings and they have to act out and they had too much sugar or something. But if I actually take the time to maybe figure out why they're being that way, I don't have to react angry all the time. I don't have to fly off the handle and then yell at them because I tell them not to yell while I'm yelling at them, and they, and they yell, and you know what I'm talking about. Stop yelling! Well, you do what I say, not what we're, anyway. So maybe give their point of, point of view a little attention. And when things get difficult, when you don't know what to do, Here's a simple, it's simple but not easy, and if you've been here before, maybe you've heard this, but this is the question you can always ask in any situation. What does love look like? I don't know what to do right now. Well, let's take a break, take a breath. What does love look like right now? We always know the answer for that. What does being for them right now look like? What does actively seeking their good right now look like? And by the way, a great way to practice this stuff is in a small group. And so that's why we have connect groups here, which you can sign up for online or at the info table. But it's just a great way to be with people and learn how to, how to actively seek the good of others. Now, like I said, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I think these two things of choosing to make deference your preference and always asking what does love look like, I think it's just a great way to have good relationships, Right? Whether, whether you believe Jesus rose from the dead or not, it's, it can change your relationships for the better. And if you, are, if you don't call yourself a Jesus follower, maybe you're watching, if you don't call yourself that, here's, guess what? You're completely off the hook. This is a wise idea, this is a good idea, but you don't have to do any of this. You're, you're free and clear. You'd be like, oh man, that was sweet, okay, cool. Can't wait for the, the snacks afterward. But if you are a Jesus follower, there's a little bit more to this. See, all of this sounds good. It's nice. It's a nice idea. Until you actually get in the room or you get in a car in 20 minutes with somebody, with other people. It's nice and easy until you're actually with people because then they always give you a good reason to say, yeah, but that was a nice message and all and love and, you know, that seemed cool. But... They're being stubborn. They expect me to do all the work. What does love look like? I am tired of trying to find out what love looks like. They make me do all the work. And if I do this, if I make deference my preference, John, they're going to walk all over me. And that's fair. I mean, those are fair arguments, I think. But for a Jesus follower, the motivation and the obligation is not the other person. See, Paul wasn't done yet. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the, ma- the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 
See, a Jesus follower's motivation in making deference their preference and asking what does love look like is Jesus. See, last week we talked about how, you know, Christianity, a lot of people think the Christianity's answer to that gap between who we want to be and who we are is adding more rules. And you've got to follow this commandment and you've got to follow that commandment. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not about a bunch of rules and rituals to try to force you to act better. Christianity, following Jesus, is about a person. It's about Jesus, not rules, a person. And here's the, here's the thing about that person. Here's, here's what that person proved, is God himself put our needs above himself. That is our example. That is our motivation. God himself, think about God, right, who created the universe, created everything, created you specifically in your own way, planned for you to be here right now with this color of hair and eyes you have, put, him, put our needs above himself. He humbled himself to come and live with us as Jesus. 100% God, 100% human. And he chose to identify with us as humans, not in, you know, 2020 United States, but in ancient, in the ancient Middle East, like one of the worst places to live. Live in one of the worst time periods. And he chose to die in one of the worst ways for us, for you. If somebody will die for you, they're for you. But he didn't stay dead. He rose, rose from the dead. He conquered death so that we can have a new life through him, a new life that can start today and last forever. The one who, the only one who ever lived on earth who had every right to demand respect, to, to demand his preferences. I mean, he created the universe. To argue that he was right because he was right, chose to humble himself for our good. That's a Jesus follower's motivation. Not because we have to, but because it's already been done for us. And here's the thing, that love is also our proof of who we are. In fact, this is what Jesus himself said. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, how Christians treat people is proof of whom they are following. How Christians treat people is proof of whom they following, they, who they are following. They can say anything they want. They can memorize every single Bible verse there is. They can know all the answers about theology and God and all of that. But the proof of who they're following is how they treat people. And maybe you haven't been treated well by somebody who's called themselves a Christian. Maybe you're watching online because you're not comfortable stepping foot in a church because how you were treated last time you were in a church. So please, if that's you, listen very closely. If someone who called themselves a Christian treated you poorly, treated you unfairly, it's probably because they might have known about Jesus but they weren't following him. Because the proof of who you're following is how you treat people. Because when someone is truly following Jesus, they are relying on his love, 
to love others. And what does Jesus' love look like? Well, Paul told us this. Maybe you heard this at a wedding once. It's better than just a wedding. Love is patient. Jesus' love is patient, kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That is Jesus' love. That is the love he loves you with. That is the love he is wanting to love others with through you. Are you always kind? If you're a Jesus follower, are you always kind? Are you always patient? No. But Jesus is. And Jesus followers rely on him living in them to become more and more like that, to be transformed more and more into that picture. Now, if that person that you're having that fight with that we talked about earlier had those qualities, would there have been a fight? If you had those qualities, would there have been the fight? It gets better. Because Jesus' followers get to take it one step further. See, to extinguish and repair any conflict and relationship, someone has to go first. Someone has to have the courage to make the first step, to lean in closer to the other person. Someone has to go first. Someone has to humble themselves, stop fighting for themselves, for their point of view, for their rights. Someone has to be willing to see the other side. Someone has to be willing to take that first step of peace, of seeking peace. And if you are a Jesus follower, again, if you're not, we're so glad you're here. We made this for you. You're off the hook. But if you are a Jesus follower, you get to prove whom you follow by going first. Why? Because God went first for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made the first move, and so we get to make the first move. Jesus followers go first. If you're a Jesus follower, you get to prove it by choosing to go first, by making deference your preference, by being the first one to say, wait a second, what does love look like right now? Yeah, I've done the dishes six times in a row. Guess what? I'll make it an even week. I'll do it seven. But won't they? God has you. Jesus loves you. You'll be okay. But think about it. Who do you want to be? Always fighting for your rights. Constantly in conflict. Unable to enjoy strong, life-giving relationships. Think about it. What would it be like to have grown up in a family where each member had been for the other members? To have grown up in a family where each family member made their priority the other members of the family. My house would be a lot quieter. (laughs) What would it be like to, to have your kids grow up in a family where they see their parents choose to go first in deferring to each other? What would it be like for your kids to grow up in a family where they know, maybe they don't know all the facts, but they know the story of Jesus. They know Jesus and what he's like and his love because they see their parents' humility 
and love. And when they first hear about Jesus, they're like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. Because my parents showed me that. Think about it. Imagine if you could take yourself out of those petty arguments. That you, if you, imagine if you didn't have to worry about winning anymore because you were more concerned about deferring. What would it be like if the people around you knew, without a doubt, you were actively seeking their good? They'd probably give you more of a benefit of a doubt, right? See, that's the life Jesus gives. That's true strength. That's true love. Those are true relationships, and we all want to be better. We want to be known for being for people. And so we need to choose to divorce ourselves because it's not about us. In fact, the life you actually want is not about you. The life you actually want, the life that'll make you happy, the life that'll give you purpose and fulfillment is not about you. It's about the people around you and the people sitting next to you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for making the first step for going first, for, for e- when we didn't care about you, you died for us. You made a way for us to have a perfect relationship with you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us what real love is. I pray that you, you maybe show us how we can go first, how we can choose uh, to ask what does love look like, how we can create a preference for deference. Give us your love, Help us love the people you made with your love. Please love them through us. Give us the courage to go first. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, next week, we're going to go on part three, talking about who do you want to be, uh, talk a little bit more about work and, you know, the stuff we have to do. So uh, invite a friend, come back. If you're new, fill out a card. We want to give you a gift, but I hope you guys have a great week and uh, enjoy the recorded football game. See you later.